This is Generation Education. Join educator Ruth Baynott Mondays at 11 a.m. as she explores modern parenting, physical, emotional and social development from pregnancy through adulthood. Mondays at 11 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. I have with me this morning Candy Kagan. Good morning, Candy. Good morning, Ruth. Thank you for joining me. Candy, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself first? Uh, so the reason you've got me on the show is because of my profession. So I'm going to start with a bit about my background. I am a financial planner. I've been in the industry since 2004. Um, I specialize in the long-term side of the industry. So that is your medical aid, your life insurance, your investing. Um, and I believe the reason you wanted to see me is more on, the, on, that, on those lines. That's correct. Yes. yes, yes. In fact, the reason why I thought, let me get in touch with Candy. I was on Joburg Jewish Mummies, as we always all are on there, our source of info. <laughs> and um, a poster, or well, mom actually posted about medical aid, and specifically she posted about discovery. And she was asking about how does it work with this and how does that work? And she's very confused about whether she claims and her self-payment gap and her above threshold. And she wanted someone to explain it. And then I was looking through all the comments and a lot of the moms were saying they don't understand this or a mom was giving advice and another mom would say, no, that's not correct. And you then also commented to say it should be X, Y, Z, but if you want more info, let me know. And I thought, let me get hold of you so you can help just break it down for us. Help us understand how does it all work? How does medical aid, how does discovery work? So, yes, I can only speak for discovery medical aid because in terms of medical aid, as I said to you, I only do discovery. It's not just the moms that don't understand. It's most people that don't understand. It's something that you do need assistance with. It, it does help to have a person to speak to. Absolutely. So, I find that often I'll think, right, I've got this figured out. And then the next time, no, oh, my gosh, I think, oh, no. But, yeah, as you mentioned, it is just discovery. And this is not that we're advertising or doing any promo for discovery, but it just does seem to be the most commonly asked question and the most commonly used medical aid. And if anyone else is wanting to explore other medical aids, please do go ahead and do that. So, look, Discovery's got your different plan tiers. You have to choose your plan based on what will suit your needs best. Obviously, every year is different. We don't know what is coming. Mm -hmm. um, the first important thing to note when choosing a medical aid on the Discovery scheme is you cannot upgrade during the year. You can downgrade at any time, but you can only upgrade, as, as ruling states, in December for the year following. That has been confusing for members of recently because we have had our plan changes happening and premiums changing at different times than normal due to COVID. Okay. So those exceptions have been made. For example, this year you could upgrade in May to start in June because they, they were expected to have a rate change then and then they didn't. Okay. But they still allowed members to do that. So it has that's also I found created a fortune of confusion. Yeah. Was so that's that the, the discovery thing. rule or was that medical aids across the board? To my knowledge, I only know that uh, it is a discovery rule. It makes sense to me, and I'm sure other schemes have followed as well, because 
it, it prevents members knowing they're going to need something major next month, a major surgery, mm-hmm. et cetera. So you quickly upgrade your plan, have your surgery, and then downgrade your plan. Yeah. Whether we like it or not, medical aids are a business. As much as they want to look after us, they have to keep themselves sufficient with funds. And if we allow this to happen, the funds are going to sink. I do see that being quite a concern for members wanting to upgrade suddenly in the year, not understanding that they can't. Also, downgrading at any time can be done. But you've got to realize that what you get in a medical aid, you get your savings up front in the beginning of the year as a lump sum, but you're paying it off over the 12 months. It's given to you up front, you pay it off. If you downgrade to a plan that has lower savings and you've utilized more savings that you've contributed towards, you will have to pay in as well, possibly to downgrade. So in other words, the way I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, let's Mm. say, for example, your saving amount is 10,000 rand for the year. I'm just using that amount as a round off figure. It's not the actual amount. So Mm -hmm. over the year, or let's actually say 12,000, because there's 12 months in right. So every month you'd be paying a thousand rand towards your savings that medical aid gives you, but they allow you access to it from day one. So from let's say January, you will have access to your 12,000 rand. So if you use up your whole 12,000 rand by February, that means that you still owe the medical aid that money. Am I correct? Spot on. That's absolutely correct. Right. Another big complaint I find um, people phone me and say, I'm paying an absolute fortune and this is all I'm getting and I'm, it's never enough and it's, I'm being ripped off and it's, it's impossible to keep functioning like this. These premiums are ridiculous. I get nothing from Discovery. Again, mentioning Discovery because that's the, the scheme yes. I, I, I do. And what people don't realize, it's the same as taking life cover a large portion of your premium is to cover the chances of you ending up in hospital. We forget that. Everyone always looks at the savings versus the premium. But a large portion of your premium is if you end up, God forbid, in ICU, that could be 100,000 rand a day. You know, in patients with COVID, every claim was paid. They were ventilated, they were in ICU, and everything was paid. So you you are covering the potential risk of ending up needing hospitalization. It's not just your savings. So it doesn't work as a you can look at the one versus the other. Right. And that's a big, in mm-hmm. terms of those plans, is there one that is probably the most common or the most most used? And is there one that you would recommend to say, look, this is what you suggest? I wish I could say it was so simple, but every, uh, and everyone says, what do you think I need? You can't predict what's going to happen. And it depends on what the family or person's requirements are. That's the key thing. Some of us need more day-to-day care. We need more medical savings allowance because we're going to utilize that. Others never see a doctor. They'd be quite happy, but I do believe you have to have the hospital cover. That is imperative. That is the pillar, and it's the pillar of every single plan. And then you build from there. Some of us need more savings than others, and that's how I work with my clients. I try to work out what would be the best all round to catch most of their expenses. Right, because looking through their different plans, I mean, there is something really for everyone. You've got your just hospital cover. Then you've got that one where it is – hospital cover with a couple of day-to-day expenses and then it goes up from there. Candy, don't go anywhere. This is such an interesting talk and such necessary information. We are going to continue 
After the break, you're listening to Ruth Baynard on Generation Education. This is Generation Education. Join educator Ruth Baynard Mondays at 11 a.m. as she explores modern parenting, physical, emotional and social development from pregnancy through adulthood. Mondays at 11 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. And I'm chatting with Candy Kagan all about medical aid. And before the break, we were talking about the different tiers and the different options that you can get with the medical aid. And I wanted to ask. I do also see that they have the option where there isn't any savings. How does that work? So how that works, that's their, um, their comprehensive, it's on the comprehensive platform. So how that works is you self-fund. So instead of them giving you your lump sum and billing you in your premiums over the 12 months, you pay for your medical savings, you cover your self-payment gap, and then you go into what the comprehensive plan has, which is the above threshold. But it's, the, it's self-funded. It's the same thing as being on a comprehensive except your premiums will be lower because you are actually funding that for yourself right. until you get it. So it's the same concept. Right. You just have the money in your pocket as opposed Instead to of in their having pockets. to pay it off. Right. 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 So let's talk claims because this is, I think, where everyone seems to get confused and get frustrated. Yes. You often see where someone will say, um, I put in a claim and they only paid X amount or they haven't paid this claim because I'm in my self-payment gap. Let's talk. Right. How does it work? Okay. So you've got two ways of being refunded on your claims with discovery. You can be refunded at cost, which is the full cost of what the practitioner is charging you, or at what they call the discovery health rate. So now if you're being refunded at cost, you could go see a GP in private practice. He is obviously going to charge you more than the medical aid rate, which is the discovery rate. You will put your claim in, your claim will be covered in full because you've selected to be refunded in cost. But the difference between the medical aid rate and the cost will be added onto your self-payment gap. Right. So come now to your self-payment gap and I've got clients phoning me saying, it's only meant to be 4,000 Rand, it's 8,000 Rand. How did this happen? They don't realize that, yes, while it's being paid for, and it's no different whether you pay it through a self-payment gap and it takes you longer or you pay the difference to the doctor now, it's smaller bits versus one large chunk later. So you're not being shortchanged. No money is being taken away from you. And that's why I often recommend to my clients, get refunded at the discovery health rate, pay the differences, because otherwise it just makes it that much harder to get through your self-payment gap later on. So in other words, the client must actually specify when they go onto the medical aid plan, they must specify whether they want it to be a cost or whether they want to pay the medical aid rate. Correct. And you do specify that when, when you apply. Right. Another thing that also pushes and drives that self-payment gap up is over-the-counter medication. So you've got savings. You walk in, you hand your script, you've got a little bit of flu, you're getting your antibiotics, you're getting your probiotic um, and a bit of pain meds, and you hand the script to the pharmacist. You have to instruct your pharmacist that anything from Schedule 3 and below, or sorry, Schedule 3 and above, he must put through the medical aid. Anything Schedule 2 and below, you are going to pay for yourself. 
Because if you have savings, it will all go through, but anything scheduled term below will get added to your self-payment gap. So every time you go in and you get a bottle of Calpol or a box of Panado and you put it through the medical aid, again, same thing, you're not paying, they're not taking anything away from you. You inevitably paying for it. It's whether you pay for the little bit today or the larger self-payment gap later on. In other words, it's almost like accumulating a debt that when you reach a certain point, they say, right, pay us our debt back first. Correct. That's exactly it. So everything will go through that you want to. You've got savings. It is your money. You're paying it off in your premiums. It will go through. But then that self-payment gap is going to hit you later on. So let's talk about allied services. That's your psychologists, your biokineticists, your OTs, your, uh, your speech therapists. So unfortunately, a few years back, Discovery did pick up fraud from um, a cluster of allied professionals who were, for example, treating a group of people, but charging them individually. In order to clamp down on this fraud, they brought in the allied benefit limits. So every plan has its uh, allied benefit limit that applies, depending on how many members are on the plan. So once you've reached 80% of this benefit, you can then apply for additional allied benefits per person, per therapy. Okay. I, have, I have never had anyone denied um, personally when they've applied for additional, unless it has been a code, for example, that the practitioner has put in incorrectly. Okay. It is a bit of extra PT, but I feel all the allied professionals have been dealing with it for so long now. They're very okay with the system and they know what to do, but it's up to the member to keep track of their allied benefit usage. And every claim that you submit, you will get an email with a claim transaction history attached and it gives you all your benefit limits at the end. So if you see you coming to the end of it, you then need to go per person, per therapy and apply for additional. Now those allied services, do they, Mm. does that money come out of your savings? Correct. It will come out of your savings if it's available, but it all still, whether you have savings, whether you're in self-payment gap or above threshold, every account does accrue towards that overall limit. That right. is how the scheme works. Okay. I think that's what brought us to this interview. That was Correct. the actual question yes. that started this. Yes. Exactly. Because it can get very confusing and frustrating. And the way I understand it, you also get certain limits for certain procedures or certain professionals. For example, you'll get X amount when you go and get a pair of glasses. So now, would you recommend rather do it once you through your threshold or how does that work because once again they're allocating x amount but if you do it while you still got savings it seems to come out of your savings but if you do it off the threshold they pay anyway or am i incorrect i hear what you're saying no you i mean your thinking is correct in the sense that those plans that do have an above threshold because not all of them do and some Mm -hmm. have a limited above threshold if you haven't used the benefit it will pay from one of those three areas. So either from your medical savings or from your own pocket or from the above threshold. If you are able to wait, then I I guess it does make sense to wait until you're in above threshold to claim for those limited benefits. But each benefit, you know, there are certain benefit limits. For example, I had a client call me the other day who tried to fill the script for medication that she'd had three times this year already. And she's, it's, she's in above threshold right. and they wouldn't cover it. She'd reached the maximum for that script of, of medication. It's all there in your policy, I'm going to assume. So one needs to check everything as you go along. 
Yes, uh, if you can. I mean, it's not always possible. No. Life happens and sometimes you need the treatment and then we find out later. It's very important if you're being pre-admitted to find out if they're co-payments. And also it's a product I don't do, but I find gap cover in terms of um, supplementing hospital gaps is very popular for the reason that medical professionals can charge 500% above the medical mm. aid rate. Which so actually you, leads you me to, gaps. yeah, yeah and, and that it leads is. me to what I actually wanted to ask you next. I wanted to chat about mm. that exact thing. In terms of the hospital plan, I see that they always say that they've got a hospital plan up to 400% or some of the plans say up to 200%. Just explain how that it works. Okay, so every discovery plan you will see has a classic or an essential plan type. And then so you either have a classic comprehensive or an essential comprehensive, and so it goes. The classic and essential actually refers to how you are covered in hospital. On a classic plan, you'll be covered at 200% the discovery rate. On an essential, you'll be covered at 100% the discovery rate. So that's – and the the, the thing, the beauty I find with discovery is they've got such a large network – That is the draw card. They're able to negotiate their rates with discovery providers. I find most of my clients on a 200% um, plan are usually covered in full with a contracted in discovery doctor in hospital. If you're at 100%, you could leave yourself open to co-payments. It really depends on what your doctor charges and what rates they're charging. Does that have been applied for the, if you've got, Four, five, ten members on your medical aid, it applies to everyone on the medical aid. Everyone that would be on a classic would have 200% and everyone on an essential would have 100%. The only um, one that is different to all the others is the top tier, which is the executive plan, and that gives you a 300% cover in hospital. In terms of getting admitted into hospital, just explain emergency admission versus a planned admission. Well, emergency admission, you would, um, I hope, have your medical aid card on your person or somewhere. And the, the hospital would call in and explain what the situation is, have your membership number, and that, that is how you would be admitted. Right. A planned admission, you have to get pre-authorization before you go in for your treatment. You can't arrive on the day of your procedure and expect the medical aid to be covering what you're having with no notification except on that day. So that's the difference. Emergency is emergency, as it right. says. And the hospital will act on your behalf or if you're awake and able to mm. convert, you'll assist them in getting the authorizations done. Whereas if you've got a planned admission, you need to call the scheme to call pre-authorizations. You get your authorization number. You will, should get everything from your doctor as to what um, you need to give so that you can get that. Right. And what about those people that are on the plan where they have to go to specific hospitals? What happens there in an emergency? So um, in the network plans, you in an emergency, you will be taken to the nearest private hospital. You will be stabilized. And once stable and upon the permission of doctor, you will then be transferred to a network hospital. And is it covered then if you've got yes. to do a non-network? Okay, perfect. Correct. And, yes. and then what about also a situation where you have a procedure done, be it planned or emergency, and after the procedure, you get home and they send you a bill for a certain piece of equipment that wasn't covered by medical aid. Now, you're lying there on the table unconscious. You cannot 
approve or disapprove a certain piece of equipment that the doctor is mm. going to use. What happens in a scenario like that where you get this unexpected bill thinking that you're covered for everything, yet they used a piece of equipment that wasn't discovery approved? Mm. In my experience, I then put that to, to a review panel. It's motivated, and I demand the scheme reviews. For exactly that reason, it wasn't in members' control, if members' unconscious. The protocols were not followed. If I was the member, I would take that further. I have done it for, for my clients. But you need to know the right people to speak to, and you have to put it to the review boards. Any other advice that you can give to the listeners about when they do have a medical aid? What would you say is the most important thing for them to be aware of? I think keeping track of your of your savings and how it's being utilized. Have a look at your claim transaction history. I find a lot of the queries I get are very simply explained already and they have the information's there. You can you can see it. It's readily available if you just give a little bit more attention to it. It's hard in terms of members not understanding this because it's an it's an animal that if you don't work in the industry, mm. it's very, very hard to get to grips with. There's so many T's and C's, loopholes, things you need to know. The call center is amazing. If you call them, they are very, very helpful. I do think that that's just the key thing. You've got to actually manage it. It is something that needs to be managed. Yeah. And I think that with us all being so busy that we just mm-hmm. expect it to work for us, especially you often find when you are in a medical situation, you've got heightened emotions and you're dealing with a situation that's not right. the norm. And very often, shame, I, I'm sure that these call center people get a lot of abuse <laughs> but very no. often yeah very often it's just from an emotional point of view so I, I do think that it is quite normal that most of us don't actually read the fine print and don't look at it and also can be quite tedious and sometimes when you read it you'll think uh but that's a bit confusing so I, yes. I hear what you're saying <laughs> and I it's, think also people would love to you know we love the adage of well my medical aid's there to look after me mm-hmm. your medical aid is business they have to stay afloat they do want to look after you but it's within the limits that they're able to and so you've got to find the best best approach there candy we're going to just take a short break when we come back i want to move on to talking about financial planning and planning for insurance policies ras and what we need to have Mm -hmm. in place so don't go anywhere we will be back with candy kagan 